Hi, everyone. It's Biggie here. Welcome back to another episode of the Pre-Med Perspectives. Hope you all are doing well and uh, hanging in there. Uh, today, I have um, a really special guest. Her name is Cindy, and she's currently um, an OMS1 at Michigan State's uh, College of Osteopathic Medicine. And um, on today's episode, we're going to talk about something um, pretty interesting. We're going to talk about um, languages, studying language, and also uh, studying abroad and how to kind of tie that into um, a medical school application. And so uh, with that, uh, Cindy, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi everyone, I'm Cindy. Um, I am a first year medical student at Michigan State University College of Osteopathic Medicine. I graduated in 2024, 2020, 2020 actually, uh, from the University of Michigan. Um, so I went straight from undergrad to medical school. Um, at the University of Michigan, I majored in science, uh, biomolecular science as well as Spanish. Um, I had the opportunity to travel abroad twice, um, once to Spain and once to China. Um, and both of these travel abroad experiences has helped um, fulfill some requirements for my majors. That's um, really exciting um, that you were able to um, go abroad not only once but twice and um, have that also count towards your major and other requirements. I know with um, COVID, it's definitely been difficult to study abroad, but hopefully in the next um, year or so, we'll be able to uh, get back into doing those trips. So um, with that, um, can you talk us a little bit about what kind of motivated you to do that uh, double major with Spanish? And, um, you know, how are you able to fit that in with, you know, a, a science major as well? So ever since I was young, I knew I wanted to do something in the sciences, particularly in the health profession. Uh, whether that be the nursing route or PA route, I wasn't really sure until undergrad. Um, but I knew I wanted to do, do I wanted to do something in the sciences. Um, so that's why I chose the biomolecular science major, as that would knock out a lot of the prereqs. Um, regarding Spanish, I started learning Spanish in um, in middle school, like eighth grade. I had half a semester of Spanish. I can't say that I remembered much of it. Um, but when I got into high school, I decided to um, continue learning Spanish, um, firstly because I needed some language classes <laughs> just because of the requirements. Um, but after the first two years of language, I realized that Spanish is kind of fun. Um, it's also a very versatile language. Um, the population of Spanish speakers in the US is constantly increasing. So regardless of which profession I choose to go into, I knew that learning Spanish would be useful to me in the future. Um, so I continued learning Spanish all four years of high school. Um, when I got to college, I wasn't sure that I wanted to do something with Spanish because I knew that college courses would be tough. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to balance that, um, especially with my, um, my science courses. Uh, when I got to my freshman year of undergrad, the second semester, um, I spoke with an advisor. Um, I knew that I had to get some of my language requirements out. So I wanted to see like, what is a fun class that I could do and like knock those out of the um, requirement list. Um, the advisor actually told me about studying abroad. And at that point I was like, Okay, I've heard about studying abroad and I knew that um, it's one of those experiences that you kind of have to do if you're able to in undergrad. So I knew that 
that could potentially be a way for me to get my requirements out. And that advisor was actually one of the coordinators of the study abroad program. So once I went to study abroad and I actually got to experience the culture of Spain, um, I got to meet a lot of people who were really passionate about learning the language and wanted to do something with it in their future careers. Um, I really enjoyed myself there. And the professors who taught at, um, at, the, at the university in Spain, um, they were really engaging. And they were luckily also professors who taught um, at the University of Michigan department back on the Ann Arbor campus. Um, and I knew that I wanted to continue doing more work with them. So that's kind of what started snowballing me into the idea that I could actually do a major or potentially a minor in Spanish. Um, as for balancing classes, it was, it was definitely tough because as you might know, pre-med classes, they are kind of hefty. Um, and also doing a Spanish major, that requires a lot more classes than doing a Spanish minor. But to be honest, the reason why I chose a Spanish major over a minor is that the minor required a lot of Spanish reading courses and that really wasn't my strong suit. So I kind of took a whole different route to kind of avoid the reading and um, just take courses that focus more on like Spanish grammar, um, research regarding Spanish. Um, so I guess in a sense, I made it a little difficult for myself in that I had to take more classes for Spanish, but in the end, I didn't have to do as many reading classes, which I was honestly really grateful for. Um, but yeah, balancing, it wasn't too bad uh, combined with the biomolecular science major because that major um, basically just had the prerequisites for um, the pre-med track. It didn't have too many of the um, additional upper levels that were really, really tough. So I was thankful that there was a major crafted that way. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. You know, so first, like, you know, you knew something that you wanted to do something, you know, pre-health and the biomolecular science major really kind of covered all your bases without, you know, too much extra. And then, um, you know, you were, when did you study abroad? Was it uh, in Spain? Was it right after your freshman year that summer? Yeah, it was right after my freshman year. And how long was that program? Um, I think it was around six weeks. Yeah, we lived with the host family. So this host family didn't really speak much English, if at all. So that really forced us to use our Spanish um, every single day, which I think is a good thing in hindsight. At the time, it was really tough because I would, still I would have still considered myself as a pretty amateur Spanish speaker then. So it was very difficult to communicate at first. Um, but after living with the host family, now that I look back, it's, it has been really, it was really beneficial because it made me speak the language. Of course, it's easier for me to communicate in English with my peers. But I mean, if you're in a study abroad setting and you're not really using that language, you're not really getting the full experience that it has to offer. Mm -hmm. That's um, really cool that you were able to do that um, uh, and, you know, knock out some requirements then that which kind of motivated you to, you know, pursue it on a greater level. It's kind of funny that you went for the major just um, to avoid those reading classes, but I'm glad that um, it was worked out and that you were able to have space to do it all. And, um, you know, even obviously doing a major is even cooler than um, the minor because I'm sure you got to learn even more. Yeah, for sure. And I even got involved in research in Spanish, which, which I didn't realize was a thing. 
Yeah, that that is a really cool too. Like I think um a lot of pre-meds think about a lot of um basic science research, which is, you know, obviously really important to the field, but um it's cool that there is research, you know, in so many different fields that you can get involved with, including, you know, language. So um, were you scared, you know, to go for like six weeks? I feel like that's can, you know, be, you know, quite a bit of time, especially if you didn't have like a super um, strong grasp of the language, you know, was, was it, you know, were you scared at all or how did you kind of deal with that? Uh, and at first it was definitely very intimidating because I was entering a state where I just didn't really know the language that well. Um, I will say that I have traveled abroad before on my own back in high school. So it wasn't my first experience. So it wasn't nerve wracking, not too nerve wracking in that sense. Um, and also since uh, Spanish, you can kind of find cognates in the word, especially at the airport. So it kind of looks like an English word and then you can kind of navigate your way around that way. Um, but the, the place that we studied abroad at, it was in Salamanca, Spain, which is a pretty small town in Spain. It's not like one of those big cities like Madrid or Barcelona, um, where there were many English speakers. So being in that environment where there weren't that many English speakers made it scary um, at first, just because, you know, if you really need to get your way around and you don't know the words, it could turn messy. Um, but the people in Salamanca were very friendly. Um, I even felt very safe walking alone at night, like 12 at 12 at night, um, which is not something I feel here in the United States. So it was a really um, different environment that made me feel safe, even though I didn't really know the language um, that well, per se. Mm -hmm, that is interesting to hear. Like, I know here, um, a lot of times people are always talking about, you know, walking alone at night, but um, you know, it's nice that, you know, you felt comfortable and safe, you know, in, even in, you know, a new environment where there was that um, language barrier. So um, kind of moving on to your next experience, what did you um, kind of study abroad in China? And, um, you know, how did that kind of connect with what you were studying? So in China, I took some classes that would fulfill some requirements for my biomolecular science major. Um, and what they taught there wasn't, it was in English. They taught some chemistry courses in English. I honestly cannot tell you for certain what exactly we learned. Um, it was, it was an interesting experience um, because the class there was integrated with students who actually attended that university. And those were native um, Chinese students. So they spoke mainly Chinese. They knew a little bit of English. Um, but what really stood out to me was that the students there, even though they didn't have a very solid grasp on the English language, they definitely seemed to know a lot more about the topics we were learning about than um, the students who came from U of M. Um, I think that they just have a very strong foundation and additionally, they probably spent a lot of outside time um, trying to translate everything from English back to Chinese so they could better understand it, um, whereas I mean, speaking for myself, at least for the U of M students, we kind of spent our free time kind of traveling around the city because we were in a whole new country and we didn't want to waste that opportunity. So I can't say that we did really well in those courses, but we definitely had a really fun time. Okay, that makes sense. It's kind of interesting, that type of program where, you know, you're actually 
learning with, um, you know, native, you know, students to that region. And was this also, you know, like a pretty like lengthier program, like six weeks? Um, so this program was about, I think it was like one month. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. And, um, just like when you were, you know, going around, you know, the city and things like that, did you feel like there was kind of a language barrier or, you know, were you able to communicate pretty well? Did a lot of people know English? You know, how was that situation? Um, I think there were, there was definitely a language barrier. Um, I speak Cantonese, which is a dialect of Chinese that's not as um, widely spoken in mainland China. They speak mostly Mandarin there. So there was definitely a language barrier. I did take some uh, classes here in the U.S. for Mandarin like a few years back, um, but I was, I could not say that I was fluent in it. And honestly, there were a lot of times when I would be trying to communicate in Mandarin and it would just come off wrong because I would be trying to um, kind of manipulate the words that I use in Cantonese to sound Mandarin-ish, but it just doesn't come out right. So there were just a lot of, um, I guess, hiccups in that sense. Um, but as re in regards to the amount of English spoken there, if you're in the big city like Shanghai, maybe you'll find a couple of people who can speak English, um, but the majority of people do not. And that was kind of difficult because I looked like, you know, the typical Chinese person and then people would uh, expect me to speak back to them in Chinese. And I would just stare blankly because I didn't really know um, what they were trying to say. There were a few people in our group from U of M who did speak Mandarin, so we were pretty, um, pretty grateful that they were there with us. Okay, that makes sense. You know, that's kind of interesting where like, um, you know, maybe people thought you were, you know, native or understood Chinese, but because there was that, you know, different, you know, dialect with Cantonese and Mandarin that you're like, actually, like, I don't really know what you're saying, but um, I feel like that's definitely, you know, an experience where you, you know, learn a lot about communication for sure. Mm -hmm. And so now, um, how did you kind of connect these experiences in your med school application? You know, did you talk about them at all? You know, was it a significant portion or, um, you know, how did you kind of incorporate it? Uh, I spoke a lot more about my travel abroad experience to Spain rather than uh, my experience to China, just because by the time I went to China, I was already in the middle of writing my secondary. So I didn't um, really plan on writing much about that experience. Um, regarding studying abroad in Spain, um, I didn't talk too much about studying abroad um, specifically, but I did talk quite a bit about majoring in Spanish. Um, part of the classes that I took to fulfill my requirements at U of M for that major uh, required learning about um, culture. And we learned a lot about the disparities in health and how um, there are many barriers for those who speak Spanish in the United States to get the health that healthcare that they need here. Um, language barrier could be one, getting insurance could be one, um, having documentation. So there are many, many facets that we learned about that, um, that are really apparent when it comes to um, seeing who has access and who doesn't. Um, and that really pushed me further to learn more Spanish, even at the med school level. Like currently I'm taking an elective to learn medical Spanish, um, just so I can better communicate with future patients because 
the, the Spanish that we learned in undergrad may be the basics like grammar wise, some basic vocab, but here there are more medical specific terms, for example, words for like hypertension, constipation, things like that. Um, so just continuing my education here at the medical school level um, will help me better serve patients in the future should I choose to practice somewhere um, where there are many Spanish speakers. So in my uh, personal statement, I mentioned how I learned um, about these uh, cultural disparities and healthcare um, inequities that are still prevalent in the United States. Um, so that's basically how I tied in my major to uh, my essays. First, I would say it's really cool that um, in med school itself, there are electives, you know, for language, you know, I, that's something that I never knew before that you could, you know, take, continue to take language in med school. So that's really cool that you're able to kind of, you know, continue that study and, you know, be able to apply it to your future career. And um, I think that is, you know, really an interesting thing to talk, talk about, you know, obviously, you know, health disparities, you know, language barriers, you know, um, how it can affect their access to healthcare are all super important topics. And I think it's really cool that you were able to connect your experience in Spain and your major and, you know, connect that to the healthcare field. So um, I had another question. So you were just talking about how, um, you know, when you were in China, you were already, you know, working on your secondaries. How did you, um, you know, kind of manage your time with uh, making sure that, you were able to get all of those sent out on time while also taking classes while also being in a different time zone. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, it was definitely a really interesting experience. Um, I went into the experience of traveling abroad to China with the mindset that I'm going to spend X amount of hours every day just focusing on secondaries. I printed out um, like sheets of secondary questions that I could just bullet point while on the plane there. And I can't say that I kept up with those. But um, yeah, so when I'm studying abroad, I'm in this whole new environment and I'm trying to get work done. Sometimes it doesn't really go as planned. Um, internet access was definitely one. Um, it was difficult to get internet at the, uh, the apartments that we were staying at. So a lot of the time I'd be staying behind on campus with a couple of my friends who were also writing um, their secondary essays. And we would just work at the school uh, cafe. Um, and regarding the time zone, it was definitely very difficult to keep up with because some secondaries do have uh, certain deadlines that you have to meet. And especially with a lot of schools that um, just send secondaries right after they receive your primary application, a lot of them came in at once. So we had to keep track of that and make sure that you knew exactly when the due date was, what time the due date was. Um, as for managing time regarding classes and secondaries, I didn't really focus much on classes. Um, I did enough to pass, but I was mainly focusing on um, my secondaries at that point. Um, and I can say that it was definitely very difficult because knowing that I'm kind of letting down my classes, my, my course grades for my secondary essays to be a little bit better. Um, it was difficult for me to like wrap my head around because no one wants to just do poorly in classes, of course, but given the time constraints and given like um, the amount of time I could actually spend on campus with internet, um, I had to pick and choose one over the other most of the time. And usually the secondaries went out 
Um, as for getting the secondaries done, it was definitely a lot about organization and making sure you knew when things were due and where to uh, submit things at. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of time organization for that. Yeah, wow, that sounds definitely like a little difficult to do with like, you know, figuring out where can you get Wi-Fi and when and things like that. But um, I'm glad that uh, you were able to manage it all. And I think you bring up a good point with, you know, um, letting a little bit uh, go of the classwork. I know as, you know, anyone in a pre-health profession or anyone who's trying to go to grad school, you know, you're trying to keep your GPA up because obviously that's super important. You've always been doing that for years. And so, um, you know, sometimes you do have to prioritize like, with, you know, obviously your secondaries and things like that, but, um, you know, obviously not failing your classes, but, you know, sometimes you do have to let a couple things go. So I think that is really good that you touched on that, that, um, you know, it is difficult to um, mentally prepare yourself for that, especially if you've always been focusing on keeping your GPA up, but, um, you know, sometimes you have to prioritize. And the last thing I kind of wanted to ask about before we um, you know, sign off is, you know, how would, you, how are you able to, you know, kind of finance these trips? You know, did you apply for a lot of scholarships? Um, I know you don't have to go too into detail about your own personal finances, but I'm just curious, because I know that's a big barrier to people who are trying to study abroad. You know, how do I afford this? Right. So studying abroad, um, I think at at the University of Michigan, they do a very good job of providing scholarships should you need them. You will have to write a couple of essays and you'll have to thank the sponsors or donors who donated uh, to fund that scholarship. But ultimately, I think that as long as you know ahead of time that you're going to need some financial assistance, you go to the financial aid office or you go to the study abroad financial aid office and then work with them, they should be able to provide you a direction for where to get those resources. I know for the China one, um, it was mainly through the chemistry department. Um, so I was just in contact, in contact with the coordinator there and um, they allowed us to fill out some form asking us how much we are expecting to need. And then after you let them know, maybe provide some um, documentation noting that you are in need of some financial help. Uh, they're pretty good about it. Um, this is of course speaking from an in-state student um, perspective. I'm not sure if out-of-state students have some additional hoops to go over, um, but in my experience, it was pretty easy trying to find people who could help me find resources in order to finance these trips. Okay, that is good to hear that, um, you know, you were able to, you know, be in contact with people who are able to, you know, help direct you to, um, Financy ships. I know um, at Michigan State too, the Office of Education Abroad and things like that, they also have, you know, a lot of resources available. So I think, you know, like you said, the biggest thing is, you know, reaching out. And yes, you might have to write some essays and things like that, which can be a little annoying in the, um, you know, short run. But one of my professors always said, if you spend two hours on a application and you get a $2,000 scholarship, that's the most highly paid hour of your life, the time that you spent writing that application. Exactly. Yeah, so I think, I'm glad that you touched on that again. I know that is a big barrier. A lot of people are thinking, oh, I can't afford to go to a different country, but um, especially at large universities, there are 
uh, resources available. You just kind of have to put in the work and ask around, but um, it's good that, you know, those things are available. So uh, just to kind of wrap up before we go, um, if you had kind of one tip to give to, um, you know, pre any pre-health student, whether it be about languages, study abroad, kind of anything we touched on today, what would it be? Oh, wow. Um, I guess regarding studying abroad, if you're in a whole different country, try not to try, try, try not to stress too much about like the academic side. I know it's very difficult, especially if, you know, you're trying to keep your GPA up and just try to keep up with courses in general. Um, just try to soak it all in because you are studying abroad. You're oftentimes not there for a very long time. So if your head is mostly, you know, stuck in that mode of got to study for the next exam, got to uh, prepare for the next um, lecture, you might not be able to enjoy it to the fullest extent. So even if your grades do slip a little bit, that's okay. Um, just try to enjoy the experience because experiencing something in person like studying abroad is very different than reading about it in textbooks. Yeah, I think that is, you know, a good tip that, um, you know, you do, if you're only there for six weeks a month, you know, you don't want to spend your entire time with your nose in a book. Obviously, you know, got to have to keep, you know, got to keep like your GPA at a good level, but also to kind of, you know, um, enjoy your experience while you're there because it's not an opportunity that you get a lot. So um, with that, thank you, Cindy, for uh, joining us today on the Pre-Med Perspectives. Um, I think this is a really cool um, topic to talk about. I'm so glad that you are uh, able to join us. And for all the listeners, I hope this was super helpful, especially for those of you considering, um, you know, studying a language in college and um, study abroad. And we'll catch you again next week at the uh, Pre-Med uh, Perspectives. Thanks for having me.